The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com. That's W-Y-N-N-Bet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Roman. Roman is the straightforward way to take care of ED. Just go to GetRoman.com slash SGP to get $15 off your first month of treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash SGP. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by the SGPN app. The SGPN app gives you easy access to all our picks, podcasts, and it's the exclusive place to enter all our contests, including our $1,000 NBA Finals free roll. Just enter SGPN in the App Store or Google Play Store today. And welcome, everyone, to a Wednesday morning edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast. This is your host, ZB. We're coming to you live, 10.55 a.m. on the East Coast, Wednesday, June 9th, coming off a great entryway to that Jazz Clippers series. Tonight, only one game on the slate, but here, as always, to break it down, I'm joined by Munaf. Munaf, how are you, bro? Doing well, man. Uh, exciting. Like you said, Clips and uh, Jazz game one last night. Uh Sixers Hawks was got a little exciting, but uh, I think Sixers got the job done there. But a uh, pretty two good games last night, man. It was a uh, great quality basketball. Ready to dig into it, man. Yeah, and with these with these full crowds, especially on the West Coast, with the Jazz game last night, just shout out to the fans there. That was absolutely epic. Stadium was yeah. roaring. Same thing in Phoenix the night before when both those teams made big runs in the second half. Obviously, the Clippers started off hot. Kind of fell off a little bit late, but that looks like it's going to be a nice long series. Um, so a lot of good matchups planned for today. We're going to start with Nuggets Suns. Um, talk about that game too a little bit. Get you guys our picks for tonight um, and break down that series a little bit. And then on the back end after that, we'll kind of make our way more casually through Hawks uh, Sixers and Jazz Clippers. And I, I don't know if you want to get more into Bucks Nets. Obviously, a huge game three there um, yep. tomorrow night on Thursday. But let's get right into Nuggets Suns here. I said in the Slack channel a little bit of a big reaction to that game one. Um, we now have the Suns favored by six at home. Is that correct? Um, double check. I, I am seeing a five and a half juice yeah. to Denver right now yeah. in my book. <clears throat> Same. So maybe yeah. a little bit, of, maybe a little bit of movement coming back on Denver. I I agree with that uh, coming back down towards where we saw that game one line, which is around four four and a half. Um, you know, I really did think Denver controlled that game for a lot of it. Uh, yep. Kind of fell off a little bit in the second half, obviously, and credit the Phoenix for kind of taking that game by the neck. But um, your impressions of this game two number here, uh, Denver, I mean, I think we're starting to see a little bit like going down 2-0 is just, I think it's just so uh, deadly, uh, you know, despite what the, what the Mavericks are able to do against the Clippers. So huge game for Denver here tonight. And uh, your impressions of it, Munaf. Yeah, obviously, I think big arena, like you mentioned in game one, where that arena was absolutely uh, rocking. And yeah, I agree with you when you said that 
that Denver was controlling most of that game up until I think that about close to midway through that third quarter, um, Denver, I'm sorry, Phoenix just went on a, I think it was 25 to seven run. I'd mentioned with this with Dan yesterday and Mikhail Bridges had a big third quarter for the Phoenix suns. And then, you know, uh, Chris Paul took over in that fourth quarter. So when, you know, when you have balance scoring across your starting uh, lineup for the Phoenix suns, all five starters were in double figures, for the five score 20 or more points. I think the more concerning thing for me for Denver was, you know, Monte Morris is going to have to be consistent all series long for this team to have a chance because in game one, he was only one of 10 minus 28, um, uh, you know, from the, from his plus minus for game one. So, uh, you know, I got to shout out your guy Compasso in game one, man, he had a fantastic game. I mean, the plus minus doesn't indicate it, but he knocked down some big three pointers. He he had 14 points. I think that's a great contribution. I think the story that we're all kind of waiting for to see is how serious is Michael Porter's back injury. Is it just a tweak? And Mike Malone did say after game one that he's going to be able to go. I would be very shocked if he's not able to go, but it'll just be interesting to see how he comes out and plays. I think that's the storyline for me in game two, but you know, still for me, I'm thinking that this number may come down to minus five uh, for the Phoenix Suns. And I think I think I'll take Denver again in the first quarter because they're just they look like they're just coming out ready to play, and especially with their backs against the wall. Um, Denver first quarter seems like a great bet. And then maybe, you know, if you can find a a better number live on the Phoenix Suns, I think that's a way to kind of attack tonight. Yeah, I think with I definitely was uh, leaning toward that Denver first quarter bat. I think we've seen them perform in this type of spot. I think it's a little bit weird with Phoenix. We don't really know this Phoenix team that well yet. You know, kind of their first time through through the playoffs together. Yeah. Devin Booker's first year, and it's kind of hard. Like they definitely surprised me um, in that Lakers series with different times when they would play poorly or different times when they would kind of come out guns blazing. Mm-hmm. And I think we're still kind of getting to know the character of this team. So I always kind of get – it makes me a little nervous that first quarter angle because I also could see Phoenix being like similar to Brooklyn in game two. Like, oh, shit, like this is the spot where we kind of take control of this series yeah. and them coming out on fire as well. We don't really know this Suns team that well. Are they capable of that? You know, we, didn't, we don't really know this Brooklyn team that well either. I think a lot of us expected Milwaukee. Similarly, we know them. We know Denver well as well. So, you know, I, I do like that first quarter bet. Um Plus one and a half, I'm seeing that. So I do expect Denver to come out hot here. I do like Denver plus the five and a half um, for the full game. I think you hit all the right points. I mean, they need to get at least two or three of these guards going offensively. Um, I saw Will Barton also was upgraded to doubtful, so at least a slight upgrade for him um, in terms of his health health situation. Um, And, yeah, this Michael Porter Jr. injury, obviously a little concerning, but – I mean, it, it, it was kind of weird because Mike Malone obviously said, like, he's good, and then he came out questionable on the injury report. Yeah. Um, but I, I expect he'll go. I do think with, with Michael Porter Jr., he is someone that – and I, I never really use the live player prop feature um, if anyone has that, but this guy will always go off in the first half and then down the, down the end of a game, he's not part of their offensive attack at all. And it becomes Jokic and whichever guard is rolling in pick and roll. Like, you know, if you see a live under on him after he like hits his like five threes in the first quarter, take it because he always falls out of his role in the offense. Um, so 
that's also just another angle I was looking at in game one. But yeah, five and a half, I think it's a good spot for Denver. Um, seems like people kind of maybe overreacting a little bit to that game one. Like, okay, Phoenix was supposed to win that game. Denver coming off uh, a, a grueling series. Phoenix did as well. But mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the Nuggets on the road here okay. against a spread. Um, total also up. Uh, yeah, I think we were around 221 in game one. Now we're at 222 and a half. But that game one did go over that Phoenix Suns team total play, which we both liked a lot, went over. Um, so thoughts on the total here? Kind of leaning towards the under here in this game um i think that we may see a better defensive effort from the denver nuggets um here tonight if they want to compete uh we know phoenix can play defense we saw that in in round one where they're able to you know really bog down on the defensive end now with the lakers whether was it just bad offense or was it you know phoenix playing great defense or was it half and half but i I think that you know with these two teams um you know that total barely got over uh in game one it was by what five or six points just depending on what number that you got and yep. uh yeah I'll, I'll lean with the under here tonight i think you know the pace may slow down here a little bit in game two and um i think we'll see better defensive energy from uh the denver nuggets yeah i think um i think it's both tough. Teams, yeah it's tough both teams are going to come out harder on defense i think phoenix kind of exposed denver's defense a little bit down the stretch of that game but that game was kind of getting out of hand Denver and Jokic obviously got frustrated um, yeah. as he started to stop scoring. He kind of lost himself on defense, wasn't really providing the same effort, which he's obviously liable to those type of issues. And mm-hmm. Chris Paul started cooking, uh, you know, kind of yeah. like we, we predicted. We both had player props on Chris Paul. That was also a great hit. Um, and, and Devin Booker as well wasn't getting off as much. But, you know, I think this this offense for the Suns will not have much problem scoring. That being said, Denver's going to have to bring the intensity to try to stay in this game. And we both like Denver, I think on the number. So, um, you know, yeah. I think I'm going to go with Denver. I, I think I would lean under here as well. I do think Denver has a pretty big trend to the over. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you're going to start to see that the, these teams as this ser- series goes along, start to figure out each other a little bit more. Um, any other plays in this game, too? Any player props you're looking at? Chris Paul again, maybe? I, I haven't checked the numbers, but let's go uh, and check them out now. I have it here. Uh, Chris Paul's up to nine and a half assists. Um, I think you probably need to keep taking a look at uh, uh, Jokic's assist props because in game, we talked about in game or round one, sorry, against uh, the Blazers, that if they were going to win the game, he needed to have five or more assists. I think in game one, he recorded nine, I believe, against the Suns. So we know that the offense kind of goes through him. We've seen time and time again where he's a big man that brings the ball up the court. You know, we don't we don't see that much in the NBA when your big man's bringing it up. And Jokic is probably the only guy that can do it. And he, he really gets the offense flowing. And um I'm taking a look at that over six and a half assists, and I think he should also come out and and score points here tonight. I think he'll have a better shooting night, uh, make the adjustments. You know, again, we got to give Mike Malone a lot of credit for the way he's able to make adjustments from not only in-game, but also from game game to game also. So I think Jokic is at 29 and a half points here tonight. I kind of like that over. um, Take a look at some rebounding props here. I will say I don't love that Jokic got the MVP award like in the okay. day in the days in between this game. Like I feel like that's gonna put a kind of a target on his back, especially with the Phoenix crowd. They'll probably be railing against him. I think Aiton kind of 
Aiton's got to be confident coming off that game one performance defensively. And, For sure. But um, I, you know, you never like the the good vibes. Uh, you 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 want this team to stay angry and down. But you know, De- it also shows Denver doesn't panic at all. I don't know if you saw any of the videos of them Jokic getting the award and all that, but they're completely chilling. They're they are, have no fear of a one zero deficit in the playoff series with the experience they had the last few years. Yeah, we've talked about this, right? They don't get rattled like whether they yeah. get down. They've been in deficit. It's a three one two one two zero, so that's not uh, not that doesn't rattle this Denver team. One prop that is severely underpriced. I mean, I think you can probably back me up on this. Is Monte Morris is only at eleven and a half points for tonight? What do you think of that? I like that. I mean, I do think that he will struggle with the length and Mikael Bridges. The amount of possessions he gets on is something that concerns me with Monte. But look, he still yeah. got off ten shots and had his five assists, no turnovers, and. He's going to be there offensively as the engine for this team as you get later in the game. I think his scoring picks up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if he, if he takes 10 shots again, you expect that to go over. So, you know, the usage is yeah. definitely right there. I, I like that play. Okay. That's all I had as far as player problems. Anything, I'll, I'll get it either posted in our Slack channel or I'll definitely have it posted on my Twitter. But I do like that uh, Monte Morris over 11 and a half points. And then uh, probably take a look. I'll dig more into Jok- uh, Jokic and how he does after a loss uh, for the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, and I, I will say uh, Chris Paul, who's someone I like to score in this series, he got it done for me in game one, now up to 15 and a half, juiced over on yep. the player prop. So full two-point in, uh, increase, definitely a little bit, uh, you know, going to have to tread lightly there as that as that hops up. But, mm-hmm. yeah, Monte Moore is someone I, I do think can have a, a nice game here. And, you know, you look at the key to a Denver uh, win and kind of what that would mean, I think Monte is a big part of that. Yeah. So, and, you know, look out for, like you said, they, they need two or three guards to step up and it's got to start with Monte Morris off the bench. Right. So I think, you know, I think he, he will definitely shoot better tonight from the one of 10 performance he had in game one. So uh, I, I really like that over 11 and a half for him. And there we go with that. Let's take a quick break here and then we'll come back and hear a word uh, from our sponsors. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast presented by WinBet. WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free offer, a special offer of up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com. W-Y-N-N bet.com and download the app today. All right, coming back off the break, and apologies for any technical difficulties there with that ad break. Um, let's get it right into uh, which series do you want to start with from last night? We have, we have uh, Sixers, Hawks, and Jazz uh, Clippers. Um, let's start with game one. Let's uh, Sorry, with game two of uh, Sixers and Hawks. I think we could fairly get through that pretty quickly. Yeah, why, what's up? What's your take on this series so far? Why it's not like capturing the uh, the uh, full attention of the of the NBA universe as to the other three series? It almost seems like that nobody's really interested in this this Hawks team for some reason, right? And I mean, Trey Young's been playing well, and he's going to be one one of the up and coming stars of, of our league. And I don't know why. Like even like when I was watching this game, it's like it's kind of boring. I was really ready for uh, Clippers and. Uh, the jazz but as far as the game i mean joel Embiid, man i mean we can't say enough about what this guy is doing right i mean back-to-back games almost 40 we had 40 last night and then game one i believe he had 39 points just absolutely dominating inside for the phoenix sorry 
the Philadelphia 76ers. I think for me in game two, uh, they came out obviously really red hot. It's Tobias Harris led the way for them. He had 16 points in that first quarter for this Philadelphia 76ers. Atlanta Hawks kind of crawl their way back. But right now, the story of the series for me as, far as a statistical standpoint has been the second half and how the Philadelphia 76ers have been outscoring them by, I believe I wrote it down. Um, I think they have outscored them one, yeah, 131 to 101 in the second half. So I think Doc Rivers and Sam Cassell and their assistant coaches and their coaching staff are making the adjustments in the second half. Uh, as far as game planning to kind of come after this Atlanta Hawks team in that second half. So I think you got to tip your, uh, tip your cap to Doc Rivers and, and their coaches for what they've been able to do so far. Yeah, definitely. And obviously the Shake Milton move last night worked out. I guess, you know, he had four four or five from three, got the crowd going. Yeah. Um, so another, another nice move by Doc Rivers. And yeah, Philly obviously starts off this game killing it atlanta kind of sneaks back into it all of a sudden the two-point game at halftime and like you said great job by the sixers coming out in the second half and kind of shutting this one down um yeah. atlanta you know start their offense started to struggle a little bit more trey didn't have the three ball falling obviously a not as good of a scoring night for him only 21 points and then only 14 from bogdanovich so that backcourt really had an off night which we're not used to seeing for them in, the, in these playoffs with how, with how lethal they've been together um so you know i think with this series it's very hard to kind of make, know what to make of it where we had this situation where the Joel Embiid injury was supposed to define this series, yet he's kind of played through that easily and is dominating the series, but the Sixers are only in a 1-1 one, one series where it doesn't feel like they're you know a lock to win this in five. It feels like the Hawks sure. are kind of hanging around. So as you look to game three and four, I mean, do you think they split in Atlanta? You know, does Philly find a way to get two here? How do you see this, this – uh, Atlanta road trip playing out. Yeah. Well, Atlanta did what they needed to do coming in exactly. the first two games. Right, they got the split. Now they're going back home. Now the mentality for the Sixers is going to have to be, okay, let's go out and at least get one. Because if we don't get one, us getting down three games to one, it's that's going to be a, a monumental problem for them. So, um, I, I think the mentality as far as road teams go, yeah, you want to get both games, but. You want to get a split and then get back to Philadelphia in game five, take care of business at home. And now all of a sudden you're up three games to two yeah. where you have to win just one of the next two games versus your opponent has to go out and win two straight. Right. So I think that really is a mentality for a lot of these playoff teams. Obviously, you know, the big, big thing is, is that you want to get both road games. But we've seen during the season that Philadelphia is not really a great road team. Uh, they were only what 20 and 16 on the road straight up. Yep. And now you're going into Atlanta where Atlanta just plays really good at home. Also, we saw that in round one against the Phoenix suns. Um, just kind of going back to game two, if I would have told you Gallinari and Kevin Herter, uh, both would have scored 20 plus points. Uh, I would have probably said that Atlanta probably would have won the game again, but uh, for them to limit Trey Young and McDonavish from three of 13 from three-point land, I, I think that was really key for the Sixers. So going forward, like you like you asked, I, I think that, you know, I think it'll be another split in Atlanta, and then we'll come back to Philly in game five with the series tied 2-2. Won't be surprised if this series gets a seven. Yeah, won't that all either. I think it's so weird how the vibe of a series totally changes when the road team steals game one instead of game two. 
because yeah. you had a, like Atlanta walking off the floor last night. They looked like not like defeated, but it was like okay, like Philly completely wrestled control of the series back, and like it's Philly's series to lose. Yet, like you said, Atlanta did the job, right? You're only you're only supposed to get one. You're yeah. not even supposed to get any, right? The idea is that right. you lose all your road games. So unless you're Dallas and the Clippers, <laughs> unless you're Dallas and the Clippers, and you lose all your home yeah. games, um, you know, but. But if it's, if the road team wins game two, it's like holy shit, this is their series now. Um, right. You know, I think which is what a lot of people were expecting to see, like with Bucks, uh, with Bucks next. Right. So for Atlanta, yeah, I mean, I think they got to come back, reestablish their starters. Obviously, like you said, they had some nice bench performances last night, but um, they're kind of obviously at their best when it's Trey Young as a scorer himself and Trey Young orchestrating things for others, setting up three, setting up Capella inside. So um, you know, we look at this game. Uh, Game three, Sixers favored by two in Atlanta. So um, definitely, I think there'll be a lot of people on the home dog there. Um, we'll have more shows later this week to get that one to you. That's Friday night, I believe. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that should be good. I mean, kind of looking big picture for a bit, how do you kind of make out the Philly-Brooklyn-Milwaukee discussion as of right now? Like, it, would Philly be a be a challenger to either of those teams, to both those teams? Do you put them above Milwaukee at this point? How do you kind of make out that hierarchy right now? It, 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 I think right now Brooklyn is far and above both Philadelphia and, and Milwaukee right now just because of the way Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have been playing in these first two games against Milwaukee. It's just going to be really interesting to see how Milwaukee responds in Game Three at home. If they lose that game, I think this is this is this is going to be a a, uh, a four game sweep, not even a gentleman sweep for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, as far as like, I think the Philadelphia 76ers may have more of the defensive guys to guard Kyrie and KD versus that of the Milwaukee Bucks because. You can match up Tobias Harris and and Ben Simmons and maybe Danny Green on Kyrie Irving and KD. But again, how you and I talked about on our show Monday is that I don't think anybody right now can guard Kevin Durant because he's a a seven-footer. He has great handles, and he can just shoot over you at any given point, right? And I think that right now, I think for me right now, it's Brooklyn, Philly, and then Milwaukee. That's kind of my hierarchy of the Eastern Conference right now. Between those three, three teams, at least. Yeah, I, I still think that Milwaukee is 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 live. Um, obviously, that game three. <laughs> I, obviously, that game three is massive. Not that yeah, they are sure. not. I, I think I think that they they can make this series go longer than than the four or five games it looks like it's headed to. And, but I okay. also think you know, if Milwaukee were to come back in this series, I think we would we would hold them in such a high regard coming off yeah. that win that they would be big, pretty big favorites over Philly in the conference finals. Obviously, yeah. if Brooklyn takes out Milwaukee in four or five, they will be a hefty favorite in the conference finals. So I do think that you'll see Philly as a dog, er, Philly or Atlanta as a dog, regardless. Um, you know, at, regardless of who gets there. Uh, and then for Atlanta, look, I think this roster. When you start listing the names on this run, I mean, they have a good team. I don't think they're in the same class as those elite teams up top, but there's a reason they've gotten this far. Obviously, the bracket broke nicely for them. Steel game one, they're looking good. But, like, you know, Trey and and Bogdan is a really, really nice backcourt. And then, you know, you have Capella, you have JC, you have these guys off the bench, um, a few scorers off the bench. So they're definitely a solid team and an up-and-coming team. So, Definitely respect to them, and and like we both said, not not surprisingly, that series goes seven, 
And if you get the game seven, I mean, it would it would not surprise me if Trey Young was the best player on the floor in that game and and, and led them to a win on the road. So definitely got to give uh, credit to Atlanta there. Um, anything else on that series? No, I mean, I think the last thing for me is that they, they I don't think they're going to have an answer for Embiid all, all series long because Embiid's a guy that can knock down a three-point shot. He can hit the mid-range jump shots. He can, you know, get you on the fadeaways and he can dominate inside the paint. So Capella has just been getting, just been taken to the woodshed by Embiid uh, so far in this series. And take a look in game two right now, Clint Capello's a minus 25. So yeah. uh, something to keep an eye on as we, as we move uh, towards games three, four, and five in this series. Yes, sir. With that, let's take a quick break here, and then we'll come back and get to uh, Jazz Clippers. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast is also brought to you by Roman. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, you've got options. Go to GetRoman.com slash SGP now with Roman. You can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for your ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And a medication is appropriate, it ships to you free. With two-day shipping, the whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash SGP and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it go to getroman.com slash sgp now to get 15 dollars off your first month look there's a straightforward way to take care of your ed that getroman.com slash sgp and get started now to save 15 dollars in your first month of treatment all right coming back off the break phenomenal game in utah last night clippers go up i believe 13 at the half um, and the Utah Jazz just, despite a horrific shooting first quarter, we had that first half over. It was honestly really fun mm-hmm. rooting for that second quarter to like come through because it got it yeah. didn't get close, but it got close to getting close. Um, it had a chance. It had a chance, and it was wild after the Jazz had like seven points in the first like ten minutes. But um, yeah. the Utah Jazz pulled out in the second half, and obviously the story is Donovan Mitchell was the best player on the floor in this game. So. What did you see out there in, in game one? And just, again, just credit to the Utah crowd. And just this can be a really intense series. And, you know, both these teams, I don't think Utah is ready to succumb to the fate that the Clippers are the better team, right? They're out here to prove something as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were the number, uh, what, number one seed in the regular season for a reason, right? I mean, despite not having Donovan Mitchell down that stretch, they had the easiest schedule remaining when even when Donovan Mitchell went down in the regular season. So, I mean, you got to tip your hat to the Utah Jazz for finishing number one in this competitive Western Conference. Obviously, the game started, you know, with them missing, I believe it was up to 21 straight shots in that first quarter, which was, it's kind of unheard of. I mean, I remember when the Rockets went like, oh, 27 from three-point land, but going, missing 21 straight shots, whether it was like, you know, three-pointers, uh, jump shots around the basket, whatever, uh, for them to overcome that, I think it, yeah, that's really incredible, especially against this Clippers team. Um, I thought the minute allocation for the rotation of uh, the Clippers was really interesting because now we take a look in this game one, Reggie Jackson only played 17 minutes, um, and then Terrence Mann and Patrick Beverly were only at six and eight minutes. 
Rajon Rondo was the guy that got the extensive minutes at that point guard position. He finished up with 28. And obviously the biggest surprise for both of us, or at least for me, we talked about in round one was why Luke Kennard wasn't getting any minutes. And then last night he played 29 minutes and dropped 18 points. And he was really key in that second uh, first quarter or sorry, the first half for the Clippers. So uh, it almost feels like that Ty Lue is just kind of testing out rotations right now or guys in and out of these lineups uh, in game one. It almost worked out for him, but you got to give a lot of credit to uh, the Utah Jazz. Um, and then I think the one guy that, that you know, we talked about, Donovan Mitchell, who we, I believe is, you know, one of the superstars in our league, and he's still not getting that respect from, you know, the national media, but this guy has my attention. He had it, you know, a couple seasons ago. I thought this guy was going to be absolutely phenomenal for the Utah Jazz, and he was last night, dropping 45. Um the last thing for me, or a, a second point for me for the Utah Jazz, Joe Ingles really struggled last night. He's shooting the ball three of 12, one of eight from three point land, only eight points. He did have seven assists, still was a plus four, but expect him to improve drastically. And then uh, we'd be remiss to not talk about Rudy Gobert's game winning block last night on, uh, I believe, was it uh, Kawhi or Marcus Morris? I forgot. Marcus shot, Morris. Marcus Morris. Who shot that three last night? He had him buried in the corner. I, I yeah. didn't think that. I didn't think that was that crazy of a play. But obviously, in classic Rudy Gobert fashion, he had to make it seem like he just made like the greatest play in NBA history, <laughs> like to get that personal attention. <laughs> well, he knows he's not going to score that many points in the series, so he has yeah. to get some type of attention. So, I mean, he still got the block shot, but you know, of course, of course. Uh, yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see that, uh, especially the rotations of what you know Ty Lue tries to figure out in. Uh, as we move forward to game two and game three, it almost seems like like Lou wants to like almost like lose games one and, and try to figure things out when his back's against the wall. I think that's when he really performs his best as a coach. But uh, those were kind of the takeaways from me in game one. So uh, for, for game one between these two teams. Yeah. And I think the, for the Clippers, the big story, obviously, like you said, is kind of the rotation, which was weird. I mean, I don't understand yeah. why Batum's not playing more. I thought he was yeah. kind of an answer in that Maverick series. And then, like you said, it's like they, they are trying to go back to square one to, like, figure out the Jazz. But you kind of already figured out yourself in game six and seven of that Maverick series with what your team needs to look like with Batum um, being that other big wing. I think, you know, Reggie Jackson only played 17 minutes. Uh, he Did he get a little banged up in this game last night? I'll have to check. I, yeah, I, I, I'll have to check that. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't believe he did officially, but um, you know, Rondo playing twenty eight, and look, I think Patrick Beverly is someone that you need to establish in this series and get him under Donovan Mitchell's skin. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he picked up some early fouls, which were which were bad, um, but you know, only playing six minutes. Um, you know, he he's someone that I think you need to establish his energy in this series. And Rondo didn't really do it last night. He's also someone who can kind of affect a series like that. But you need to rattle Donovan Mitchell with one of these matchups. And look, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, they're phenomenal defenders, but I like them much more on a big wing like Luka than a shifty quick guard like Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell was blowing by everybody um, getting to the rim. Um, And then, yeah, like Boogie Cousins, I mean, he was plus six in his his four minutes, but picked up three fouls. Like, um, (laughs) And, and the canard adjustment, look, you can't you can't uh, disagree with that. It paid off last night, but he was obviously food for Donovan Mitchell on the other end. You know, Donovan was yeah. just blowing right by him. So for the Clippers offensively, I think you they, they moved the ball well. I, I, I thought they, they were still kind of in rhythm, but, you know, Marcus Morris, another 
bad shooting night for him, 4 or 14 from the field, 1 or 9 from 3. And then Kawhi and PG didn't do it last night, right? Uh, you know, t- t- 43 points combined. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I thought Paul I thought Paul George did a good job of kind of staying aggressive. He was good on the glass, good ball handling. So, you know, I, I like that he's shooting or playing through these performances. But, you know, another 4 of 17 night for PG. And the crowd was obviously getting into him with the, with the playoff P chance, yeah. <laughs> uh, which was – which was funny. Um, let's take a quick ad break here before we come back and talk about the uh, the jazz side of the ball a little bit more. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast is also presented by Prop Swap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Find the best odds on NBA championship and Stanley Cup futures when you buy directly from other bettors like yourself. See a ticket you like but think the price is too high? Submit a bid for a price you think is fair, then buy it. PropSwap is making it easy to profit these playoffs by trading in and out of teams as the postseason progresses. Every ticket purchased on PropSwap can be resold at any time. Last week, a PropSwap customer purchased a Montreal Canadian Stanley Cup future for $45 and the team was down 3-1 against the Maple Leafs. A few days later, flipped up for $600. But PropSwap, you don't need to win your bet in order to make money. It just needs to improve Fink stock market, but for sports betting, use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Go to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. We're also brought to you by the SGPN app. The SGPN app, so awesome, guys. Now live in the App Store and Google Play Store. The app gives you easy access to all our picks and podcasts, plus the app is the exclusive way to enter all the SGPN contests, including our SGPN $1,000 NBA Finals free roll. Just download the app and hit the contest tab for your chance to take home a thousand bucks. Don't forget to toss us an app review and download the SGPN app today. Coming back off the break and and turning to the Jazz offensively a little bit, how did you kind of see the Mike Conley injury play out? I, I agree with you, Jingles did struggle a little bit to kind of be that main guy. And, you know, look, Donovan Mitchell took 30 shots in this game. Jordan Clarkson took 18. So their offense still was – they were moving the ball, but, you know, their main guys were getting off a lot of shots, and it wasn't as much of a a team effort. It was really two guys kind of leading them. So what would you make of that Conley injury? And obviously it goes without saying, but, you know, the Clippers – you know, Mike Conley is likely to come back in this series. So for the Jazz to get it without him, you got to be excited about that. Yeah, and I think uh, Coach Snyder said that they expect him to get him back by hopefully game three. So getting a game one victory was huge for them. You know, I think that Kamai Conley's a great two-way guy that he can help you on both ends of the floor, right, offensively and defensively. So I, I think maybe they'll miss him more on the defensive end of it because you still have guys on, on the offensive end, like we talked about Donovan Mitchell. Um, you know, Joe Ingles is going to, he'll respond in game two, have a better shooting night. And you still have McDonavich and, and Jordan Clark, Jordan Clarkson, Mr. Green light, um, you know, between him and, and Donovan Mitchell, they got up 29, three pointers, which is of the 50 that they attempted to, which is really crazy. But yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned that it was a, that they got the victory without him, um, which is big, right? You get a guy like Mike Conley back, who's, a guy that you can have in the starting lineup or a guy that you can have coming off the bench. So he's a very versatile guy that I think is a key, key guy that they're going to need if they're going to make that championship run or even pump the brakes here a little bit, but win this, win this series against the Clippers. They're going to need him for sure because 
you can't expect Donovan Mitchell to go out and drop 45 points every single night. He certainly does have the capability of doing that, but he's just going to tire himself out as this game, as the series progresses. He's going to have to go out and make that effort every single night. So you kind of got to look for, you know, Bogdanovich to, you know, shoot better and, and Joe Ingles for sure to shoot better. And uh, Royce O'Neal last night, 0 of 3 from three point land. Um, and Jordan Clarkson, you know, he, you, we know that he has a green light, 18 points, which wasn't, you know, bad. He provided that scoring effort. So a um, lot of X's and O's in this series, I think. Um, Utah didn't have a great shooting night from the three-point line, especially in that first quarter. Like we talked about, they got up 53 pointers, only made 17 of them. So if they get around that 20 to 21 mark, we know that they're capable of making. Um, Clippers might be in a little bit of trouble here if that if that's going to happen. And with Kawhi and PG combining for 43 points, like you mentioned, that's not going to get it done. You're probably going to need around 50 to 55 points from these guys for Clippers to win some of these games in this series. So I think those are the kind of two things I'm looking at for the Jazz side and the Clippers side. Yeah, and, and Donovan obviously outscoring PG and Kawhi by himself. I mean, that's unsustainable yeah. for, for the Clippers. Um, yeah. You know, I just wonder kind of do they – I'm looking for the Clippers in game two to kind of cut out some of these adjustments right away and kind of go back to what was, I, I think like you got to go right into game two thinking, okay, less Rondo, more Batum. I mean, more Terrence Mann, right? Terrence Mann was for sure. Was really, you know, athletic, bouncy. He could probably give you some good burn on Donovan Mitchell, you know, stress him out for maybe 15 minutes. And, you know, you have the, they have the benefit of having two guys off your bench and Pat Beverly and Terrence Mann who can, really bother someone on the other team. And he's kind of the key for you to bother, right? He's kind of their leading scorer. Um, what do you think of the game from Rudy Gobert tonight? I mean, he did end up with 10 and 12, two blocks, had that obviously game winning block um, yeah. <laughs> on Marcus Morris, but he also. Why are kind you of, hating on it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't I, I, <laughs> It wasn't as a big deal as it should have been made. Right. Is I think that's what it, cause it was a really tough shot for Marcus Me Morris. I think so. Me and Rudy Gobert have a long history going yeah. back in playoff series of, you know, I always just think it's crazy that he acts like he's like a top five player and he, there's always the narrative of should he or should he not be on the floor because of his limitations offensively yeah. and his, and his inability to get in the perimeter. I, that, that when Steph, you remember when Steph turned him around in that yeah. Warriors jazz playoff series? Yeah. That, that was an all timer. Um, <laughs> but so Rudy Gobert tonight, 33 minutes, but I thought he looked a little bit flustered offensively in the first half for sure. Kind yeah. of weird finishing and like on the pick and roll, I thought Ingles was getting him some good looks and he was just kind of taking weird steps and stuff like that, getting frustrated. So yeah. what do you see from him in this game? I think Rudy Gobert's going to have to realize in this series that he's not going to be able to score very many points. I think this yeah. is going to be a jump shooting uh, a series between these two teams because of the volume of amount of three-pointers that they get up. Um, so he's going to have to realize that he's his main objective in this series is going to be rebounding, uh, getting offensive rebounding, a second chance points for your team, and then uh, shot blocking. And then if you're getting a lob from Donovan Mitchell or, or Joe Ingles, you know, when they penetrate into inside the paint, that's the only way that you're going to get points. You're, they're not going to set up an offense for you. They're going to have you post up and, and try to establish you. That's not going to work in a series. So I think that's something that he's going to have to realize. Um, it's going to be interesting to see because we, we talked about in the previous round, like the Clippers like going small and 
I was surprised that in we talked about what the road the starting lineup was going to be for the Clippers, and I was kind of shocked to not see Zubac in the starting lineup. They again went small with the same starting lineup that worked for them against uh, the Dallas Mavericks with Reggie Jackson. Um, so I guess he kind of had the mentality of if it's not broken, don't try to fix it. So um, again, it's going to be again game to game adjustments and and messing with the rotation for the Clippers. But Rudy Gobert, like I mentioned, he's going to have to realize that the points offensively are not going to be there for him this series. It's going to be Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, uh, whenever Mike Conley gets back and, and their guys have knocked down three-point shots for them to to have a successful series. So, And if you take a look at the team stats, the points that tied the paint this this first game, only 20, 36 for the Utah Jazz and, and 28 for the Clippers. So uh, whoever makes their shots in this series, whoever knocks down the three-point shots, I think that's the team that's going to win this series. I think that's what it comes down to. Yes, sir. Anything else on, on this game here? No, I quickly would just want to mention, I know uh, we talk about how Scott Tolzien cost Sean a lot of money with the uh, with the two pick sixes he thrown out. So I think now Rudy Gobert is your guy that uh, that that's kind of equivalent to uh, Scott Tolzien and, and Sean. So we're going <laughs> to have to start making a list of all our SGPN guys and, and the athletes that kind of hate. So I'll add Will Barton for myself and then Andre Drummond for Dan. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I, I, I thought I was going to stay out of that, but you suck. Rudy sucked me in last night with that, with the, with the uh, game winning block. Um, before we, uh, before we get out of here for today's show, Definitely want to get some best bets for the Suns in the game if you have them, but also want to throw the active series prices at you, see if you have any takes on uh, on that. So I'm just going to run through these, see if anything jumps out, do you let me know. So we have Bucks plus 350, Nets minus 485, Nuggets plus 305, Suns minus 445, Hawks plus 190, Sixers minus 240, and Clippers plus 170. Jazz minus two twenty. So, any teams that you feel a uh, uh, impulse to jump on right now? Uh, I mean, from a pure value standpoint, Denver makes a lot of sense at three to one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, after game one, let's just say they come back and win tonight. Where do you think that number will come back down to? Is going to be what minus one? 50 for the Suns again, maybe. Yeah, maybe like I think yeah. if you like, yeah, if you like Denver to win this series or, or, or come back in it and, you know, make it a series, I think you got to hop in that plus 340 because if they lose tonight, I don't think they're going to win the series. But uh, the other one, I mean, the Bucks, they're down two games. I don't think they're going to come back. I think the only other one for me is probably going to be the Clippers at plus 170. I think that yeah. Sean, uh, Ryan got the uh, this one right where I think he took the Jazz to win game one, but Clippers to win the series. I think it was close to four to one or maybe five to one. So shout out to Kramer for that one. But I think from a pure value standpoint, I think the Nuggets makes a lot of sense for me. Yeah, I would. I, I say if you like the Nuggets tonight, which I do, just yeah take like 25% of your stake or whatever and just put it on the Nuggets series price yeah. and then get the rest on Nuggets plus five and a half. Yeah. Um, you know, because then you can just come back with the Suns and just have profit locked in for that series, uh, you know, start going into game three. So always got to keep checking in on these and definitely shout out to Kramer. I mean, I feel like he's been like really aggressive, just like throwing out like his his best gut pick and they've been just so uh, like with these alternate spreads, 
you know, strange series props. So shout out to Kramer on the main SGP feed. Moon up. Anything else for today's show? Obviously, the only the one game tonight. It's a little bit of a shorter show. Yeah, no, I think that's it. Um, not much going on tonight. Just one game. I wish we had two, but yeah, uh, I guess that's how the schedule works. But uh, I think it's because Bucks Nets started early. They're giving them the extra day off. Extra day off, yeah, just to kind of get these games into uh, rotation by game three. So no, not much else, man. You have anything else? No, I'm mean, I'm looking forward to seeing how the Nuggets respond tonight, and obviously with the 9:30 start, a uh, little bit more time before the games, uh, you know, after dinner and whatnot. So, yeah. Um, yeah, excited for this one. And then obviously tomorrow night with Nets, Bucks, Clippers, Jazz. That's gonna be a fucking great back to back tomorrow night. See what the Bucks oh, yeah. have left in the tank. See if the Clippers can get game two in Utah. So, really excited for that one. I, I do see some similarities in this. Bucks Nets matchup to maybe some of those KD versus LeBron finals when Golden State and Cleveland, where okay. Cleveland was also a really good team, but yeah. you know the Warriors were just too much. And I, I think I think we see a Kevin Durant pull up three from the left from the left uh, elbow, you know, to maybe dagger one of these games. I think he's locked in so. Looking forward to, to that series and, and seeing how, how both those teams keep it going. I mean, I think if you look at game three for the Nets, I mean, they, it's a challenge for them to stay as locked in and defensively as they've been, you know, as competitive as they've been. They've been the first one to lose balls. They've made a statement yeah. in game one and two. I mean, how does that – how do you continue that with a 2-0 lead? It's human condition to re- want to relax, but you got to find a way to fight that because you really do still need to get one of these games in Milwaukee yeah. – for to, sure. uh, to get this series how you want. So I think last point, uh, if you saw the post game interview with Kevin Durant with the, uh, I believe they were on TNT with one of the guys. And uh, he said that we, he, he looked locked in. He wasn't like impressed yeah. with their two victories that we did what we needed to do at home. And focus was just there. He, he was not celebrating mm-hmm. or, you know, he, he wasn't too high on a horse. So, for them, for for I think him and Kyrie to have that mentality and that kind of spreads into the locker room. I think that focus is going to stay with within that Nets team. So it's going to be a really interesting game three and game four between these two teams. And I think tomorrow night, the winners of these two series between Clippers, Jazz, and Nugget, sorry, uh, Bucks and Nets, that's going to be your matchup in the NBA Finals. I think. Yeah, no, I think that 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 makes a lot of sense right now and. I still have Clippers Nets out there, so um, you know, still alive. I think you have that as well, right? Yeah, I have. Uh, I added a future on the Clippers. I think in Game Six to get to the finals, and then I still have my pre or pre hardened trade and Nets um, futures writing also. So I'm just I'm I just want the Nets to get through this series so I can take a like a a. Uh, like a sigh of relief, like a breath of relief. So I think they'll take care of business, whether it's against Atlanta or Philly. So um, I'm excited, man. We have a lot of, a lot of, a lot of playoff basketball left. A lot of playoff basketball left. Follow it all on this podcast, the NBA gambling podcast. So please subscribe, rate and review to this podcast. Definitely also check out all the podcasts on the sports gambling podcast network, as well as the new SGPN app, which you heard about in the ads for this show today. Also, check us out, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Moonaf has articles there. So, you have player prop article tonight? Uh, not tonight. I think since it's only one game, I'm going to uh, get it published tomorrow since we have two there games. Go. A yeah. little more uh, little more variety to pick from. 
there you go. So, um, as always, find our plays and our discussion of all sports in the Slack channel. That's at sg.pn slash Slack. Um, we were in, been in there. Great start to the week so far. Great Monday, great Tuesday. That Moneyline Parlay came in that we I think oh, yeah. a lot of people were on. So, um, yeah, just make sure you get in that Slack channel, sg.pn slash Slack. Moon up. where can people find you on Twitter? Find me on Twitter at SportsNerd824. Starting to warm up a little bit here in the MLB. Had a 4-0 last four. Four and oh, I can't talk this morning. Uh, <laughs> night last night in the MLB, so check out all my plays there for both MLB and NBA. There you go, you can find me on Twitter at NBA Zach B. And with that, let it ride, everybody, and good luck with your bets. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba